steps. Let's baby steps that. All right. Good morning, church. Joy to be with you. If you guys wouldn't mind joining me in God's word by opening up to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. Uh, thank you, Mark and the band, for leading us so well. I feel like we could have just had the benediction after that. Amen. God bless you. See you. I do want to thank Darren. Man, thanks so much for joining us, man, and leading us on the drums, man. That was excellent. Thank you so much. We're blessed by that. All right, church. As, as Mark mentioned, we're going to be talking about a specific topic about God today, namely the immutability, the fact that he does not change. Because it is my desire and my prayer this morning that, that we would have a passion to go deeper into the things of God, to study him and to know him more. And I don't know about you guys, but my family and I love to travel. Love it. Domestic, international, doesn't really matter. We love to travel. We love to go to different places and to experience new cultures and try new cuisine. And that has just been a staple for our family. As a matter of fact, we'd rather not spend money throughout the year and just take one to two trips a year. That's what we love to do. Um, and interestingly enough, in the beginning of 2019, the Lord began to take me on a journey that I was not expecting. It was much like Bilbo Baggins in his unexpected journey where he began to create in me this, this angst, this craving for him that I had not experienced before. And along this journey, he used uh, three guideposts, if you will, to help me in the form of three men. And the first began with a question from an old man by the name of Pastor Peter Davidson. Some of you know him. He stands out. Yes. And so while sitting in his office, as he was talking about God and quoting scripture, the old man looked up to the ceiling and said, who is this God? And that was like a dagger to the soul. A man in his 70s, still young, by the way, who has been preaching for decades would ask that question, who is this God? It was a question of awe and wonder that he would still proclaim that. And so that was the exact question that had been in me. Who is this God? Do I really know him? This God that I can't claim to love and know and worship. Do I really know who he is? I want to know who he is. And so that set me on a trajectory to venture into the unknown of finding out more about this God. To know him. And God allowed me to be surrounded by a man by the name of Evan May one of the smartest men I've ever been around. Probably a robot. That's just a theory. Yeah. And he began patiently explaining deep doctrine to me. And to hear this deep doctrine of God's word, just, it just wanted me to, to know more and more, and it increased my affection for him. And the final guidepost was a life. And a man by the name of Eric Schmoltz, who exemplified what it looks like to be affected by knowing God. A man who loves God with everything that he has and who loves his wife and cares for her and loves his children and cares for them. And the same with his friends. And so this just sent me on a trajectory to, to pour into the word and to seek God fully. And God brought me to Malachi 3. And we're just going to look at one topic about God. And we're just going to pour over it. So Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 6. This is what the word of God says. For I, the Lord your God, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, you are not consumed. Amen. The knowledge of God is truly a matter of life and death. It is a matter of fullness of joy 
or hopeless unbelief, a matter of pleasure forevermore or agony without end. Because when life comes hauling at you with all that, that entails, you got to know a lot more than just the story. You got to know him. You got to know him. In those moments of difficulty, we don't just need a solution, we need a savior. And in a world that we live in of instant gratification, we're all about the quick fix. But sometimes, church, the greatest need in the midst of your need is just simply to behold your God. And that's what we want to do this morning. So church, let's not be a church that kind of disengages at the thought of going deep in God's word or shudders at the idea of studying deep doctrine. For to do that is like going to Paris and just staying in the hotel room, not venturing out to see its beauty. And we want to do that, right? So... No one gets to experience the beauty of the Swiss Alps or the fjords in Norway unless they go. And so let's go. Let's go see what he has for us. Well, Malachi is a tremendous book at the end of the Old Testament. It was written about 100 years after the Israelites returned to Jerusalem following the Babylonian captivity. They were in Jerusalem, get abducted, taken to Babylon for years, come back, multiple changes, multiple rules, And here they are, and God hasn't changed. And he brings six disputes here about how they are living their lives with one another, their own lives, and in their regard to God. There is a lack of true worship of God. There is rampant injustice. And there's a blindness or a forgetfulness to who he is. And God, in his mercy, reminds them of who he is. So the question of who is this God, we see plainly here, he is the God that does not change. The immutability of God. And look, we live in an ever-changing time, but we serve an unchanging God. Things have been rapidly changing, right? Just look at your life, the change in fashion and music during this time, right? So all these people, all these uh, Gen Zers are making fun of the millennials. Oh, yeah, look at your skinny jeans. That's weird. Okay, well, your bucket hat and, and wide pants, we were rocking that in the 90s. So whose joke is it now? right? It just has a way of kind of reverting back. You're not doing anything new. Nothing's new under the sun. So don't act like you got a new fashion thing, okay? I remember distinctively when I felt so awesome when I was walking into the mall as a teenager with my homies, and I had a pager. <laughs> like, a, like a pager. It was blue, and it had a clip. And I remember just walking in the mall feeling like James Bond. Beep, beep, beep. Sorry, excuse me, guys. Hold on a second. I got to go take this my mom, because <laughs> that's who it was, and you went to a thing called a payphone, and you entered your coins in it, and called, mom, what you need, right, that's, that's where it took place, things have radically changed, and look, some change is good, right, we love change, a lot of us were thrilled when Drew Brees came to New Orleans, or when the Patriots finally started to lose, God be praised, <laughs> change is very, very good, or when you begin to have victory over sin, right? (laughs) Or when you begin to see someone come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, or you increase in your knowledge of God. And some change is hard, right? Y'all, I used to have dark hair. (laughs) Some change is very difficult. Or when you get furloughed, or you get a bad diagnosis, you go to a new school, or your friends push you to the side, or you grow old, some change is difficult. You know, I remember bringing Savannah home from the hospital like it was yesterday, and now she's seven. 
I don't like change all that much, but it, it, it happens. And there's societal changes that we engage in with social media and music, right? We went from classical to crooner to rock to hip-hop, and now we've got something on the radio. I don't know what it is, but apparently it's music. And so there's different changes there. There's new political agendas, and there's viruses, and there's mandates. I remember just thinking about how, like, how odd it is, the progression of greetings, when back in the day, it was like, good day. Might I introduce myself to you? My name is, it was very proper. And then it changed to like, hey. And now it's just like, like <laughs> that's how progression changes, how we change even our greeting. And you might say that, that some things never change. Like the feel of your hand in mine. Some things stay the same. Like how we get along just fine, right? So some things just don't change. Like Anna was saying in Frozen 2, I have three girls, don't hold it against me. Right? Some things never change, and fundamentally they don't. If you, if you talk to someone who's been married for decades, they might say, I still love him like the first day I married him. And that's true. But hopefully there's an increasing of that love, right? Your love has increased for that person. Hopefully it hasn't diminished. There are nuances and there are change within that. But what's, what's clear here in Malachi chapter 3 is we serve a God who does not change. And church, he does not change in who he is, his purpose, or his promises for us. And that's what we're going to look at. Psalm 102 says, Of old you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. What a glorious truth this is here. Wrapped in this is God's eternality, and his sovereignty, and his authority, and his immutability. Things around us change. You look at the sky, and he paints it anew every morning, but he stays the same. And listen, church, it's helpful to know that when we go into God's word, we need to come to God's word with a certain mindset and understanding. And that there are terms listed here that are helpful in understanding an infinite God. The finite can understand the infinite God. So there's, there's terms that are anthropomorphic where we ascribe to God human body parts like a nose or an arm. Or anthropopathic where we ascribe to God human emotions like God regretted or he was grieved. These are helpful for us for our instruction. But they're not to put God in a box and make him like he's one of us. He is not like us. He is other than us. Herman Bovink was a well-known theologian, and he writes, if God were not immutable, he would not be God. For any change would imply that God was or now is something less or more than he was. Ain't that the truth? He has to not change for him to be God. And Francis Turretin in his phenomenal Institutes of Olympic Theology says, God cannot change for the better because he is the best, nor could he change for the worse because he would cease to be the most perfect. How beautiful that is to know the reality of why it is that our God cannot change. Church, there is no growing or increasing in God. And likewise, there is no weakening or lessening. God cannot learn anything new. You can't teach him anything. No, no new tricks can he learn, nor can he be counseled by any outside source. He is God. Amazing truth it is, because he can never cease to be what he is. And all that he is and all that he has, he is and has to the uttermost. That's who the God is that we serve. And no matter what's taking place here on earth, hurricanes, monsoons, genocide, racism, political unrest, God has never ceased to be who he is. He doesn't change, they change. He is the same. 
as it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we view things like the sun and moon as constants. Right? You, you wake up, the sun will rise, and the sun will set. And you expect to see a pretty moon in the evening. Right? But there are differences there. The sun can be shrouded in the clouds or blocked with the solar eclipse. And we know the moon has its waning and waxing gibbous. They change. He does not. And look what it says here in James 1. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Church, this, this text here is saying that he is the Father of lights. He's the creator of the lights, and he's the sustainer of the lights. He doesn't change. He's unwavering. He is the true constant. And how amazing this is to know that the God who does not change in who he is does not change in his purposes and his promises. So that means that we might live in uncertain times, but we have a certain outcome. It is firm. Isaiah 46, remember the days of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. And I will accomplish all my purpose. It doesn't matter what the latest letter going through the executive office is. His counsel doesn't change. It doesn't matter what the state and local government say is going to happen, what mandates they produce. His counsel doesn't change. It is firm. It is sure. Amazing that is, church. And we love the reality that his promises and purposes don't change. Some of us are waiting for his purposes, right? Some of us are expecting his purposes to come through. Maybe there's some youth here or some singles that are like, man, I'm just, just waiting for his purposes to happen. You know, hold on that Jeremiah 29, 11. He's got plans for me. I hope they are soon. All right? But can I just tell you something? That God's ultimate purpose for you is not to be out of your parents' home and to be on your own. And God's ultimate purpose for you is not to be married to the spouse that he has for you. God's ultimate purpose for you is to have fellowship with him. And you don't have to wait for that. You can experience that now. So that is my commendation to you. Love the youth. Have to say something about them. But some of y'all aren't waiting for his promises. You're kind of hating his, his purposes right here. You, you don't like the outworkings of his purpose and where you are in that. Because it looks like financial struggle or a bad diagnosis. It looks like broken relationship or chronic pain or loneliness or the loss of a loved one. And you have found yourself wrecked, hating the purposes of God. And in the midst of that, you can be like a little toddler who's in a pool. You can like put his head under for a while a little bit. Okay, I'm good. All right, that's enough for me. I'm done. Tap out. Like, that's all I want to experience. But we, 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 as difficult as they are, we don't want to miss the God in the midst of these. who doesn't change. And so in regards to difficulty you're walking through or in regards to going deep in the Lord, we can be like that toddler in the water. Just for a little bit. Okay, I'm good. I did it. Check. No, like we want to go deep in the things of God. We want to see him in the midst of these things. This church, all God promises, as, as Mark said today, all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purposes. All things work for the good. 
Not some things work for the mediocre. Yeah, it'd be all right for you. No, like all things work together for the good. He promises that to us. And although you might ask, yeah, why don't you sit down and listen to me and listen to what my life looks like right now. You tell me how this is good. I don't know. But I know it will be because he doesn't change. And he keeps his word. It's amazing to, to read about people that have gone through a lot worse than I have. Like the well-known hymnist William Cooper, who wrote God Moves in a Mysterious Way. This is a man who lost his mom at a young age, who was forbidden to marry the love of his life, and suffered with severe depression all of his life. And he penned this phenomenal hymn. And one of the lines it writes, His plans will ripen fast, unveiling every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Church, although the bud that you might currently have be bitter to you, the flower will be sweet because he is who he is. It will be. He will produce good because he doesn't break his promise. Look at the love of God here in Hebrews chapter 6. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. He gave his word, I will keep my promise. Church, he's not like that friend that lets you down all the time. He's not like that person or coworker who's always like, oh, that sounds like fun. Oh, I'll totally be there. You're like, he ain't coming. That dude never shows up, right? He's, he's constant. He always keeps his word. He's not like that parent who is never around. He always keeps his promises. He always shows up. He always follows through. He keeps his word. Why? Well, Numbers 23 tells us, church, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind? Has he said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? That is a rhetorical question. He will do that, church. He's not asking your opinion on that. He's like, did he say it? He's going to do it. Trust him. He's going to be faithful, non-rhetorical. There is no variation. There's no equivocation. There's no possibility of change, of it not happening. It's not simply that it He will not break his promise. He cannot break his promise. He would cease to be who he is if he did. He will keep his promise to us, church. Like the Maverick City song says, if you say that we believe it, right? We believe it because he said it. Because he's a God of his word. Glory to him. It's difficult, right? In the world that we live in, there's there's so much things that come and cloud our vision of him that create unbelief in our lives that distract us from our attention from God and they can look like fears and anxieties. They can look like money or high esteem. They can look like passions or friends. It just looks like, I remember going to New York and getting in the subway and I was so excited and I just looked, the entire subway car was all like this. All distracted, not looking. Or when you see everyone like taking selfies at, you know, like Notre Dame and you're just like, that's so cool, posting it. Like, no, just look at the beauty that's right here. One time in, in a piazza, these people had these contraptions where you'd fling it up and it would fly like a helicopter and light different lights at night. And everyone's like, whoa. And I'm like, there's a Duomo behind you. <laughs> like, the, do you not see the beauty that's around you? We're so easily transfixed by these little things and we're missing the glory all the time. We're so quick to pursue these things. But listen, we are quick to pursue these things not because there's some kind of dysfunction or deficiency in God. It's because it's in us. We've got to know that. So if we're not aware that this, this, this 
this uh, deficiency is in us, we will more than likely go down a road that begins to question, is he good? Does he love me? Does he really care for me? Does he really satisfy? And, and some of you today, maybe some of you today have gone through stuff in your life where you have questioned these. You have made statements of, is he good? Does he care? Does he hear me? Where is his justice? And, and that is exactly what the Israelites here in Malachi did. God brings confronting words to them like, I have loved you. And they say, how have you loved us? Or they've questioned, where is your justice in the rampant injustice that we live in? Church, by focusing on God and seeing him as he is, it begins to change our view and change those questions of where is your justice to praying, God, have mercy on them. That's what he does. And there's no doubt of where his justice is. It will come. And when it comes, you don't want to be around. So that's why it creates in us an affection for people to pray for them. So these things come about to shake us and distract us from seeing God. They don't reveal a flaw in him, but a lack of faith in us. And so we must fight to see it in the midst of it and to cling to that solid rock that does not move. There's a well-known story that Charles Spurgeon tells of a, of a man speaking to another man about these issues. And he says, I can't think how it is that you're always so happy in the Lord and I am often downcast. The other man replied, why, sir? I throw myself flat down on the promise. There I lie. You stand on the promise. Listen to this. You have little to do with it. And down you go when the winds come. And then you cry, Oh, I am down. Whereas I go flat down on the promise at once. And that is why I fear no fall. How glorious that is, church. We can, we can have this mindset that we cling to the rock so that when these waves come, we can echo what Spurgeon said so beautifully, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. Because I see him all the more. And he's constant and he doesn't move. And there's a real sense, church, that we have to cling to him. Not just to the promises, but to the promise giver to cling to him, to know him more fully and be informed in our reality. We see here the promise in our text in Malachi 3. Church, the promise given here, the children of Jacob will not be consumed. The promise is preceded by God. It says, because I do not change, therefore, O children of Jacob, you will not be consumed. You will not be consumed in now or in eternity. Why? Because he does not change. So if you have been walking in a season where you are just downcast because of your sin, you're so aware of it. Thank God for that because he is providing evidence of his work in you. But listen, church, he doesn't change. So the God who knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb, and he called you and saved you, his love has not changed for you when you sinned yesterday. How glorious is that? Let that comfort your soul. And that doesn't create a liberty to continue to sin. No, that creates an affection and desire to glorify the one who does not change in his love for us, regardless of how many times we fail. Amen. And so that's why we can sing this wonderful song, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Glorious. 
so you hear these brief truths about God. If this was a trip, this would be just taken like a plane ride over really quick, and you're just trying to check out the landscape. That's how quick it is, but, but just be aware of how deep you can go with him. Question is so? Great. What now? Church, hopefully it has created a little bit of craving for us to go deeper in God, to see him as he is, to know him. And although we might never know him truly in this lifetime, we can seek to know him fully. Hopefully you have a, a little inkling to do that. But I believe the Lord wants us to go deeper in the knowledge of him that would increase our faith in God and our faithfulness in God. Because if it is our goal to image Christ and to make him preeminent, the immutability of God creates in us a faithful servant. That's how we image Christ in regards to his unchangingness as we are faithful servants. He doesn't change his view, church. Why are we? Why are we? We hear so much chatter from all around. News outlets, social media, homies that we respect. And so we, we start to compromise on what God has never called us to compromise on. Our, our convictions become weakened. God has not changed what he has said. He has not changed that he says, do not neglect the joining together, gathering together as some has grown accustomed. He longs for us to gather together on Sunday morning and to worship and to hear the preaching of the word. He hasn't changed his mind on impurity. He says, flee from it. Don't click the button. Get away from it. Run from it. He wants us to be faithful men who love our wives and walk with them in an understanding way and to rear up our children the way that they should go. And women likewise. He is not changed. So, so let us be a faithful people that are consistent in our ways as Jesus is unchanging. And we have wonderful representation of what this looks like in God's word. It looks like Abraham, who in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, for as it was said. And he did not weaken in faith when he considered his body, which was good as dead, for he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No. Listen to what it says here. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith and gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Church, Abraham's faith in God was not a byproduct that was, in, that was in Abraham. It was informed by who God is. Because he is who he is, I can have faith that, as it kind of says, the dude is a good as dead. He's an old cat. I can trust Jesus that he is going to keep his promise and my wife will have a son. It looks like Jesus. It looks like Jesus who faithfully did all that the Father commanded being willing to be crushed on the cross for our sins. Tempted as we are, yet without sin. Refuse to engage in it. So are we like this church? Are we like these people who know God, and because of that, we are radically transformed. We want to be like him. We want to be faithful stewards of his word, to proclaim it to all that are around us. So that when they look at us, they see something different. Because when I looked at Eric, I saw something different. Mark, you can come on up, man. Remember this story where I was in a season where this was not so true, <laughs> where I was blinded to the realities of God. And I did not see him as he, as he was. I was working as a firefighter EMT back in Orlando. It was a difficult season of 
uh, difficulty in finances and relationships and uh, obviously the, the difficulty of living that kind of lifestyle, which Darren would know being in that type of industry. I was just kind of bogged down, and I began to vent to a man by the name of Basil Kaur, my partner, my medic on shift. Basil Kaur, the man from Kingston, Jamaica. Awesome guy. I began to vent to him, and he was very patient with me and gracious. And at one point, he was quite kind enough to, to kind of engage me a little bit. And he stopped, and he said, Yaman, aren't you a Christian? Which is, hey, man, aren't you a Christian? I said, of course I am. Yeah, obviously. He said, aren't you supposed to have faith? Then aren't you supposed to have faith? <laughs> that was a dagger to my soul. Like in that moment, I wasn't aware about God. I was aware about my ever-shifting circumstances, the ever-shifting sand and not the solid rock. It was a dagger to my soul, but it was a much-needed dagger to the soul because it revealed at least three things. One, I had a very big view of my circumstances. Two, and more importantly, I had a very small view of God. And three, people are watching. People are watching, church. We call ourselves believers in Jesus Christ. Are we acting like that? Do we reflect his unchangeableness in our faithfulness, in our, in our faith in God and our trust, in our perseverance, that he will do what he promised? Because he is who he is. I did not see, look, church, this is my prayer for us. Because I do not not want to see the God in the midst of these things. I want to see him. But not only that, church, I want to know him fully. I want to venture into the glorious riches that are found in Christ Jesus. I want to see them. I want to study them. I want to look at them. You know what the difference is? This is just random. You know what the difference is between these, these theologians and pastors that we, that we know and respect? Calvin, Luther, Augustine, Piper, Pastor Jeff. You know what the difference is between these men and us? One of the fundamental differences between the knowledge that they have in us? Laziness. He's the same God that he was to these men. He's the same God that he was to Apostle Paul. We can know him as they did. We can know the God who does not change. You can commune with the God that was with the disciples. You can commune with the God that was with them in the upper room. That same God. I don't want to wait. I don't want to stay in the hotel room. I want to venture out to see this great God and to know him more. And so we all have the church, the choice church. We have the choice where we can just go and explore the unreachable, unre, uh, unseekable, unspeakable riches of Christ Jesus. Or we can just miss the glory. And I pray that you would not want to miss the glory, but you would want to see him as he is. So if you would just join me, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us before Mark leads us into a song. I want to pray that this becomes our reality. Please stand and join me as we pray. Lord, as we have just rehearsed from your word and from your truth, God, these are just the outworks of your power and glory. No, this is just a fragment of one aspect of you. Oh, Lord God, that we would be a people that crave you, that want to know you, that are willing to go. Like traveling takes work and exertion and time and effort. Lord, would we be the people that are more than willing to do that, to know the God 
that is above us, that we serve. One day we will be with him for all eternity. Don't you want to know a little bit about him before you go? Father, would you create in us an insatiable desire to know the God who is? And Lord, allow it to change us. We want to be like you, not just for knowledge, but for effect, Lord, that you would change people. As we gather and we we begin to increase in our knowledge of you, God, would you create faithful servants that are faithful in the home and in the school and in the workplace, Lord God. Proclaim the glorious riches that they have found in you to all they come in contact with. For it's in your holy, unchangeable name we pray. Amen.